Hello and thanks for joining me for another edition of uh, Tui's News, the podcast. Brought to you by the Newcastle Herald and our major sponsor, West Group. I'm Barry Tui alongside the prince of the podcast <laughs> producers. <laughs> the prince of the podcast <laughs> producers in Simon McCarthy. <laughs> very royal. Yes, we are most amused. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. Well, we had a had a huge reaction to last week's podcast with uh, Jackson Hastings, and if you haven't listened uh, and you're a Knights fan, well, do yourself a favour and and uh, have a listen because he's he's already or he already was a fan favourite with uh, with the Newcastle public, but um, after um, hearing him talk last week, I'm sure he'll even be more admired, particularly for his. Um, well, his honesty and his passion and and um, his thoughts about being here and wanting to um, lift the team for the town, basically. So if you haven't heard last week's podcast, and uh, I suggest you do so. Um, yeah, look, a big loss to the Sharks uh, in Coffs Harbour last weekend. You know, puts a bit of heat on the team leading into this week's game against uh, arch rivals Manly. Um it's sort of only a, a, a small round this week because of uh, origin buys. So the Knights are up against Manly. Um, the controversial, I guess the big talking points this week have been the controversial omission of, of both Caelan Ponger and Dane Gagai from the Queensland origin side. Um, yeah, for that, you know, the first game of the series in, in Adelaide next week. Um, the good part, the positive for, for Knights fans is that they'll both be on deck on Sunday. So uh, Tyson Frizzell, congratulations to Tyson on his selection in the New South Wales team, but uh, he'll be the only player missing um, from uh, Newcastle's team to take on Manly, which I guess when you thought about it a week ago, or even just a week ago, you would have thought that, uh, well, Frizzell, Ponga, Gagai would have been missing, maybe even Daniel Safidi, um could have been picked as well. So the fact that uh, Newcastle's only got Frizzell missing, um, you know, that's that's a disappointing for the players that missed out, but a big bonus for the Knights and for Coach Adam O'Brien that uh, they're all available for Manly because it's a it's a huge game uh, for the club leading into another bye. Um, they need to certainly turn around the performance from last week, the lethargic performance from last week that... Uh, that saw Cronulla win by 20 but could have won by 40 probably on, on another day, uh, the difference between the two sides. So let's hope that um, Newcastle can put it together for their fans against their arch rivals uh, on Sunday at McDonald Jones Stadium. Okay, a big program and I've, I've, we're going to be catching up with, with uh, well, he's a favourite son, um, uh, an ex, or he's a former junior of the club, uh, local boy, made good, captained the Knights. We haven't heard too much about him in the last couple of years, um, but we're going to be catching up with Sione Mataudia all the way from England after this. We're recording this. Here he is. Reno. Hey, Phil. Hey, Buzz. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? I am, mate. If you're ready, we can call me back. Oh, we are sort of recording, but I've, I've got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> 
And our guests this week, Nike Prop, Daniel Safiti, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes, hello Hughesy, Mitchell Pierce, the greatest knight of all time, Paul Harrigan, good morning, Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast kids. The one and only Kirk Reynolds, and hello Renner. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Our special guest today, well, he's, um, I, I consider him a favourite son, actually, of the Knights, uh, even though he's no longer playing playing for uh, for Newcastle. He's all the way over there in England. Big privilege to have uh, Sione Mataudia on the show. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Spash. Cheers for having me on, mate. How are you over there, mate? How's things going in England? Yeah, yeah it's actually been pretty well since I've been here, um, it was obviously a big move. Moved my family and two kids at the time. Now I've got three kids. Um, oh, you got a little pommy as well now. You got a little pommy. Yeah, I got a little baby boy, Lucas. He's a uh, pommy born now. So um, yeah, it's been pretty busy over here, mate. I, I can't complain. We've enjoyed it, and I mean, um, on the field, it's been pretty successful as well. So I've uh, definitely loved the move so far, and. Um, yeah, I think the missus is sort of getting close to coming home now, so I'm going to try and make the most of this year and what's left. Okay, so have you made the decision that this will be your last year? You're at St Helens, you've been there for, for a couple of seasons. It's your third season, I think. Have you made the decision to come home at the end of the season? No, not yet. Still trying to convince the missus to stay for maybe one more, but, um, you know, if there's something back home that's uh, pretty intriguing and, and the missus is keen for, then... Um, yeah, we're just keeping our options open at the moment, I think. But if she's keen to get home, and I just want them to be happy. And, um, you know, if I can convince her to stay for one more, if not, then we'll be back home next year for sure. And obviously maybe a, a swan song season or two in the NRL. Was that is that is that something that you'd be keen for? Yeah, not, look, and hang on, hang on, Sian. When I say a swan song season, mate, you're, just, you're only 26. People, <laughs> yeah, people uh, yeah, forget I, I, because you debuted – at 18, then people forget that you're still only 26, mate. You could play for another decade. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I know. I definitely um, – look, if you asked me before I come here uh, what was the plan, it was definitely to finish up and go play local league after I finish here. And um, But since being here and understanding um, a lot of things and learning, I, I learned so much here that I've you know, learned in the eight years I was in over in NRL. And um, it's definitely a fire again to sort of come back home and – you know, hopefully, you know, get another crack somewhere. And uh, I think most importantly, I just found the love for it again. And um, if I do leave here and go back home, I definitely left a better player than when I came, that's for sure. Well, I'll tell you something that I know you've learnt while you've been over there, and that's how to win. Um, yeah. Because you didn't do much of that before you left, and, and you've gone over there to, admittedly, you've gone to a strong club, but um, you've won two premierships over there. Um Obviously, yeah. hoping to make it three, and and of course, you capped off one of those premierships earlier this this year with with a win in the World Club Challenge over Penrith out here. So yeah, you've been it's been a highly successful move for you as far as you know winning goes and 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 enjoying yep. you know enjoying being on the right side of the ledger for a change. Yeah, I think I think that was the biggest difference, Dave. To be honest, I think. Um I didn't honestly have any expectation coming over here. I honestly didn't know who St. Helens was. I didn't know any other team besides uh, Castleford at the time because my brother was playing there. And um, Like you said, we I spent eight, nine years of sort of you know, ups and downs, plenty of downs, three wooden spoons to a team where 
probably I've never seen anything as professional as this team that I've been in a position and sometimes the NRL probably feel like they're superior to the, the, the competition over here. But um, I think just the the process of winning, how to be a professional, what it takes to win. And I mean, the hardest thing over here is that every team we play, it's their, it's their grand final against us. And that's the hardest thing. It's like Melbourne in their prime where every team hated them and wanted to beat them. Beat them and we're, we're in that position over here and there's no easy weeks really over here. And the biggest thing I learned is how to probably, you know, how to win, how to be professional and the enjoyment of winning and, and what it does for yourself. And um, it definitely does affect the off-field as well. So I think that's what sort of lit the fire. And then the World Club Challenge, uh, look, no one no one expected us to win. Everyone was riding us off. And um, a little bit probably was in the back of my mind where like, you know, can we actually do this? This is a, a pretty outstanding Penrith team. And although they missed some key players, it sort of gave us the confidence even there that, you know, what other team can can we beat? Um, and for myself, like I just thought, after that game, I can still sort of, you know, be a decent player in that competition. That's probably what, you know, lit the fuse a little bit more. It was a remarkable win. I think it was February, uh, late February, when you you pulled off that big upset win over over Penrith. Uh, tell us about it, yeah. mate. The, the the feeling in the place in, within the boys and the and the team and the club and when you got back to England must have been enormous, was it? Oh, it was mad, Baz. It was mad. It was. <clears throat> It was definitely a big build-up. Uh, you know, we had to um, plan, you know, weeks in advance how we were going to, you know, prepare for this game. And, um, you know, obviously flying over was going to be a big task in itself as well. So, yeah, we were there for, what was it, 23 days prior to the game. We left a bit the morning after the Panthers game. So, um, yeah, we had two weeks of still some heavy training and building into the game. And um, we, were all, we were pretty nervous. We all sort of meeting and, had plans of, you know, what did they expect of us and what do we expect of ourselves and then against them. And But at the end of the day, we all, we all pretty much were still a bit unsure. And, you know, can we really do this? Although we were saying, yeah, we definitely can beat them. We, we've got the team. We're the best team in, in England. So there's no reason why we can't be the best team in the world. And um, But at the end of the day, there was still a bit of uncertainty whether, you know, how good we were because everyone was sort of riding us off as well. And, no one was backing us in, except for the people to, in St. Helens. So, um, and then just to get there and pull it all off, it was crazy. The rainbow was shining over the field. So it all, all the stars aligned, I think. And it was just, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. And, you know, the after match, after the match, you see the crowd there and going around and we're still in just disbelief. Yeah. Really was. And then it took a lot because we actually come back, come back here and played the, the following weekend. Um, you know, won that game and sort of fell out of form here um, in England, and I think it was just still some t- hangover. Just some getting over, getting yeah. over that big trip, and there was a big build-up. Um, you know, all that effort, and it was really hard to get back up. So we threw everything into it. We didn't, we didn't leave no stone unturned. So um, you know, we thought um, it was well deserved by us guys, and we were proud of all the boys. And um, yeah, it was a great game. It was a really good game. Tell us about um, living in England, then, mate. And we're going to obviously have a close look at your your career out here and and your early upbringing and all that sort of stuff. But your career, uh, sorry, living in England with your family, uh, are you enjoying it? Obviously, you are, but maybe yeah. the wife's had enough, has she? <laughs> she has had enough. She just uh, misses the family. Look, it's a long way from home. We can't really just catch a two-hour flight and get home and see family and. 
Um, she, she just had some uh, family members pass away and missing birthdays. So yeah. it's been hard in that terms where we miss out or not. But in, um, on the other, on the flip side of it, it's been really refreshing living over here. It's, you know, um, a small town in between Manchester and Liverpool. You, you know, other people wouldn't know what rugby league is, wouldn't even know what a rugby league ball looks like unless you're from St. Helens. So you sort of, you know, I'm sticking between the crowds. You're not really noticed at all. And, um, you know, it's cold and <laughs> in the winter and it's really warm. It's getting warmer now, so it's heading towards summer. And it's uh, we actually had a 24-degree day the other day, which oh, wow. was massively hot, massively a, hot for us. That's a heat wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, close to anyway. So, um, no, I, I, I've definitely enjoyed it. It's, um, it's helped me, um, I don't know, I just... Getting away from it all sort of definitely helped my 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 mental and um and off field with with the family being closer with the partner you know we have to rely on each other a lot more we got no family over here besides my brother who lives about an hour and a half away so uh, we've definitely enjoyed it we've gone close to um, uh, on holidays to Spain to oh, yeah. places we couldn't we couldn't do back home in Australia so there's been you know positives and definitely some negatives as well but. I, I, dare, I dare say the, the positives are outweigh the negatives at the moment, and um, we've definitely enjoyed it. So it's been oh. a good move, but I believe it's probably been the best thing that's happened for me career-wise, for sure. But you didn't probably feel that way at the time when you first decided that you were going to come out uh, over or go over there. I mean, I know how oh, no. you always wanted to probably be a one-club man and finish finish your career at the Knights, but it um, it didn't happen. Look, we'll we'll touch on that. A little bit later, but I want I want to take you back even further, mate. Um, you yep. you were you were born in in Sydney, weren't you? The whole family sort of um, kicked off in Sydney. Um, yep. But there was a a split with your mum and dad, um, yep. which caused you to come up to Newcastle. I think your mum brought all of you, which is when I say all yeah. of you, you've got your three brothers and I think there's three sisters. And yep. and maybe even a couple of cousins came as well. So your mum. Yeah. You know, bought a bus load of you up to Newcastle <laughs> to uh, to live yeah. when when the marriage split up. And how difficult was that early on? Because I know you, I know your mum, obviously looking after so many kids, was working big hours, and and uh, you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't have had much growing up. I wouldn't have thought. No, yeah, she well, they, she definitely bring a train. Mate. We literally got on the train, and you know, Dan filled filled up a whole carriage. Um, <laughs> early morning and um, trained it up to Newcastle and stayed at a, a cousin of ours that mum knew from back home. And um, I guess for me personally, it wasn't really that difficult. I, How old were you? Four or five, were you? Kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. About, I think I was four or five. Yeah, okay. I just started kindergarten at uh, Bankstown Public School and I uh, did a few weeks and obviously left. And um, I didn't know any different. I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was on a massive holiday, so I was enjoying it at the time and uh, once I grew old and understood it, it didn't really affect me because um, I didn't have the relationship my, with my father that the others, the older um, siblings did. So probably affected them a little bit more than me, me and my twin sister. But um, yeah, it's just the way you know that life goes on, and you know, mum just battled on and uh, went to school in Raymond Terrace, moved out there and played footy. And yeah, mum was doing plenty of hours just trying to get us by. My two older sisters had just finished school and. Uh, was studying and then finished studying, started working to help out mum as well. So everyone pulled their part to sort of, you know, help us four boys and, and my twin sister to sort of, you know, kickstart our careers and uh, our schooling to see um, to see where we were heading as well. So 
And then, um, yeah, like like I said, I, I was enjoying it. I didn't really know any better, so well, um, I, I know it was fun times for me. I know your brother Pete talks about him. How how much older is Pete? Four or five years older than you? Uh, he's six years older. Six than years me, older yeah. than me, so he he would have yeah. pro- he would have been ten or eleven probably when it happened. So I I, I, yeah. I know he's spoken about the fact that um, there were times when you didn't have a lot of food to eat and and yeah. sometimes you even went without meals um, yeah. because you just wasn't you know your poor mum was worrying was trying to feed you all I guess and trying to ha- house yeah. you all and and um, so you didn't have a lot. But um, and that's why you're so grateful for her, and have always been so grateful. And I guess it's why you're always been such a tight knit family. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Listen to what how my brother talks about it. Uh, he done a, some mental, um, some stuff on uh, mental health over here as well. And he explained a few stories that I actually never heard of as well. So still to this day, I'm still learning stuff. So yeah. Um, just being so young, I was just uh, blind to it and. Um, it, it was amazing to, to hear some of the stories I never heard. I, I didn't know that, you know, um, you know, they were going to school. And uh, me and my sister used to always have school lunch, pack lunches, and my brothers didn't because they were in high school at the time and we were still in primary school. So we were probably well looked after compared to my older brothers and sisters. So, um, but yeah, listening to him, it was pretty tough for them boys and, and my older sister. Um, I think the hardest part was the relationships between Pete and and my dad that he missed out on. Yeah. Um, talks about going to school and having Father's Day and stuff like that. Um, at the time, my mum remarried when I was sort of old enough, so that I, I assumed that that was my father figure looking forward. And for my brothers and sisters, it wasn't really that that story, was it? So, um, yeah, look, mum, we have everything to owe to our mum and uh, still working to this day, still keeping herself busy. She's living at, actually living out in Rem Terrace now on her own, so uh, still ticking along well. Uh, tough old girl she is, and um, even for my brothers as well, I think I owe a lot of them, uh, a lot of things to my brothers, and I owe a lot to my two older sisters who've done a lot. They were sort of our, you know, um, mum at times, and mum wasn't there as well. So yeah, it was it was a good upbringing. Like we had enough to sort of get by uh, for us kids at a time was a lot. And um, look, I wouldn't say that I struggled at, at any time, but my brothers definitely did, and my sisters for sure uh, mentally probably where they suffered the most. Yeah. I I would imagine there was plenty of love around though. Oh, yeah, there was plenty of love, plenty of fighting between the brothers and sisters. It was one of the main things my mum always said. She was always said that we, we always had to rely on each other, especially being a uh, single parent, that we only had each other. And it was always dinner. There was no one on, no one missing from dinners at night. It was everyone at the table. We all eat once, uh, all eat together, all eat breakfast together. The sisters would drop off. The two youngest school, we all just knew what roles we had to play while mum was gone. So that's what sort of made our connection and togetherness even stronger because we just had to rely on each other growing older, getting older. And obviously footy played a big part of your upbringing too, mate, because I can imagine um, mum would have been getting you to training sessions or elder sisters getting you to training sessions and all sorts of things. All, all four brothers obviously um, played at a, at a high level. Um, yep. tell us about um, footy growing up yeah so we kicked off our footy pathways, my brothers played for Bankstown Cougars um, and then when we moved up, played for Roman Terrace and that's when it really started to kick off uh, for my older brothers, you know they started uh, getting noticed by the night system um, at Raymond Terrace as well so 
Yeah, look, we will walk in the training. My brothers would walk us to training, leaning local league training. And then when they started making the Howard Matthews and SU Ball, they, they were uh, getting lifts to training through a friend of them, uh, Craig Higgins. I think his son uh, played yes. for Manly as well. Yep. Yeah, um, they were really um, instrumental in getting my brothers, you know, to training because I think that was the only way they could. My mum was working in town as a nurse. So, uh, Craig, he, the Higgins family were taking my brothers to training. Um, for a while there, and then once we sort of, once I sort of hit year, the uh, Howard Matthews system, we had moved into Townmore towards uh, Mayfield and started playing for South Newcastle. And that's when it started kicking off for me. I was coached by Mark Glanville uh, and his son, Tavita Panga, was in that team at the time. So MG and, coached uh, you, did he, in those early days? Yeah, all, all my juniors uh, from pretty much under nines, I think, or under tens. All the way up until I left to Howard Maps, uh, Howard Maps, or even when then we we're going back to play Howard Maps, um after the season finished, we'd go back play local league, and MG was my coach. And, and you still were successful. Um, yeah, we're still, we're still pretty <laughs> successful. Uh, we had, you know, his son was a, a fair player back then too. Tavita Pango was in that team. Um, we had a pretty pretty good team at, at that time, and. And MG will probably say he had a bit of sprinkle and helping us getting. Oh, he will for sure, man. He will for sure. Um, but, but man, he was a tough coach. He was so tough. I mean, to think back, we were ten and eleven. He was, he was onto us like you know, um, like a heavy school teacher. He was, he was good, and it was probably what was needed at that time too, because I was definitely afraid to make him angry. That's for sure. Well, I'm sure he's going around telling everyone, particularly with. Tavita Pengai being picked for Origin this week, mate. That um, you know he he made him the player he is, and he's probably said that about you guys as well. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, probably. I always remember after the night's games, he was on radio for uh, yep. for a certain uh, station, and he'd come and give me the wink, like you know, yeah, uh, he's got a part of doing this, but uh, no, he's good, man. Oh, I loved having him as a coach. He um, he was always picking me up, uh, always getting me to games, and. I remember one game I didn't want to play, so I told my mum to, to tell him that I was sick. <laughs> he actually he, he actually knew I wasn't sick, so he drove to my house, walked inside the house and seen me sleeping on the lounge. So he picked me up and gone and take me to the game. Came out at Nelson Bay. So, mate, he was a tough old coach and I've got, um, you know, all the respect for him. He's, he's um, definitely the best I've, I've had as a junior coach. Well, mate, um, speaking of, I guess, 2014, we can talk about 2014, which was um, the, your debut season in, in the NRL or the back end of 2014. It happened very quickly, although mm-hmm. it probably would have happened a little bit earlier, but you hadn't turned 18 yet, so you weren't allowed to play. Um, yeah. had, to, had to wait for you to turn 18 for you to play, but it was a pretty special pretty special game because it was um, – well, your brother debuted at the same same time. Chanel debuted in the yep. in the same game, which I think was the mate, the first time since the nineteen forties that two brothers had debuted in the in the um, main competition. It wasn't called the NRL back then, but the the main competition. Yeah. So, it wasn't um, well, it didn't happen very often, but it would have been a a fantastic experience to to play alongside your brother debuting at the same time yep. in in first grade. Yeah, that's what just makes made it all the more special. I mean, even if I was to debut alone, it would have been pretty cool, but to do it with him was, it was crazy. I still remember every, that whole week leading up, I remember even the months leading up to it, I, I was waiting myself to hurry up and turn 18, you know, I was just so eager to play and um, I remember Wayne, 
you know, I think it was the month of June. I, my birthday was the 25th, and then the month of June, probably once a week, it'd be like, you turn 18 yet? 2018, I've got two more weeks, mate, two more weeks. So uh, I remember Clear's Day, it was one of the best months of my life, and to have Chanel play against uh, alongside me was crazy against a team that, you know, I think they went on and won it that year, didn't they? The, the Roosters. The Roosters. Yeah, yeah, they went on. They went on yeah. one of that year. I'm pretty sure. And oh, well, they had the team that that Sonny Bill was in, and it was just a crazy team, crazy team. And Minichello was still playing. And um, yeah, I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know um, if we were even going to win or anything. I just wanted to play and just get me the ball. I'm going to, you know, give it my all. And my brother was the same as well. And it was just a crazy year. You know, going to debut against the Roosters and play. Seven odd games to finish the year. Um, I can't remember what, what where we finished on the ladder. I think I was just too busy worrying about myself at the time. And, um, we had a few two big losses as well. I remember playing Rabbitohs up in Cairns. We got you know a, a fairly, fairly decent score against us. And, I was there that day in Cairns, you, and you, I think it was yeah. Alex Johnson's NRL debut when he scored a trick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was too. And <coughs> I was in that team. Actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty crazy. You had pretty. Well, you you, know, mate, you, you played. I, I tell you what, you did that year. You played um, New South Wales under twenties versus Queensland. Um, I think oh, you, yeah, I yeah. think you were the. Uh, well, you played. You were captain Australian schoolboys the previous year in two thousand thirteen. Previous year, yeah. yeah. And I think you were. Well, you're in the. You were named centre in the New South Wales in the um, NYC team of the year that year. Um, yeah. And as you mentioned, you. Debuted uh, in the NRL. I think your coach Wayne Bennett said that you were a future Knights captain. So he Nostradamus there um, at the time, and you played the last seven games. You scored seven tries. Then you were chosen for the Prime Minister's game against Papua New Guinea, and then, and then you're in the um, Australian team. You're also picked in the Samoan team. I think for the was a Four Nations or whatever it was back then. But, um, yeah, then you found yeah. yourself in the Australian team, mate, and you played three tests, becoming the youngest ever kangaroo for Australia. You're still the youngest ever kangaroo for Australia. So when you say it was a crazy year, you're not joking, yeah. are you? No, nah, no. Nah. Just hearing you, I'll do some stuff I've even forgotten about, but just, man, just 18-year-old kids, you know, living his dream at that time and, Christmas come early a few times that year, so I just, yeah, I look proud. I'm proud of that kid that, that went through all that kind of stuff because, you know, it wasn't easy at the time as well. Like, although all those achievements are good, it was still pretty hard to deal with at that time and, and the years following as well. So, but um, I'm just so grateful that I got to experience all that, all those achievements and, you know, continuing to do what I love to do at the moment. Well, you're 18 and 129 days, mate. I've done a bit of research about this mind you, um, 18 and 129 days when you played against England, that was your debut, yeah. um, and you beat Israel Folau, he was the youngest leading up to, uh, you, you You took over, so, and three yeah, ma- right. three games yeah. on the wing for Australia. Yeah, yeah, I remember them games pretty clear as well, so. I bet yeah, you do. I was, I was just so, I was just soaking it all up, I really was, and. Um, I didn't even expect. I think I said a few times. I didn't even expect to play. I, I literally thought I was there to to shadow a few players. Because so at that time there was, there was a fair few injuries. I knew that's probably why I made it. Well, yeah, I knew I was like that. Was why I was in the team. And 
I mean, um, uh, who was in it? Michael Jennings was in the team. There's a few good backs that were still there. And I just thought, oh, yeah, I'm only here as an 18th man and enjoy the experience and hopefully be a part of the team going forward and the squad going forward as well. And then, um, yeah, it landed in Melbourne. I think we had a, uh, our first training session, first proper training session um, before the game. And Tim Sheeves had pulled me aside um, beforehand and said, yeah, you're going to have a practice suit. And then by the end of the session, I was I had all the cameras on me and I didn't know how to react. <laughs> um, um, it was crazy. Yeah, good experience and something I'm just going to remember for a long, long time. Obviously, as it said, seven games at the back end in uh, 2014 for the Knights and then the following year, um, Rick Stone, Wayne had gone. Rick, Rick Stone, um, oh, hang on, Wayne hadn't gone, had he? Or had he? No, no, I had I had Rick Stone uh, the following year, yeah. Yeah, in 2015, yeah. of course. Um, yeah. uh, I think he played 22 games um, for seven wins. And then, obviously, uh, Stoney was, was sacked and um, yeah. Nathan Brown came in. And along yeah. along with Nathan Brown came the the the, uh, the rebuild, if you want to call it that, um, and that that was where things, I guess, things were very difficult, weren't they? Because um, the mm. the winds dried up, and uh, the wooden yeah. spoon wooden spoons arrived uh, in numbers, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And you were right in the middle of that, mate. You were you you were basically one of the one of the senior players, as it turned out. Even though you you weren't yeah. old enough to be a senior player, but you. You were that was forced on you almost because uh, yeah. the team was so young. Um, how difficult were those years, those wooden spoon years? And you talk about losing your love for the game. I guess that was the reason. I, I would think you know going out each week, probably knowing that you weren't going to win. How, how much? Yeah. Or how how bad a feeling was that? And, and was that why you sort of lost your love for the game? Yeah, I I remember some. I think maybe. Might have been you a couple of years ago that asked me the same question, and I, I'd always said uh, that it was um, that those years didn't really affect me. They were, you know, they were good years. I enjoyed it. I was young, so we we're still coming into training happy, which is true. We were still coming into training eager to learn. Uh, the team was pretty young, but um, you know, just a bit naive to think that it was. They were pretty good years. I think it affected me a lot personally as well. Um, you know, losing and. Uh, being a senior player and not, not knowing how to be a senior player, mm. not knowing how to lead a team. Uh, but looking back on it now, it was, it was hard for me. And definitely um, at that same time, we had fans showing up in numbers, like numbers you wouldn't believe for a team that was coming last, you know, just earned another wooden spoon, the second wooden spoon still showing up numbers and expecting a lot. Because at the same time, Newcastle fans and, and Mary Cashians do expect a lot out of teams, but... The only thing they expect is for us just to have a dig in. You know, some games, some games were gone by half time. It was 35 nil at half time or 36 nil at half time, and there was no way that we could ever come back. And it was pretty hard times. Like we sort of getting a bit emotional because you know I love that's my team that I grew up, you know, supporting, and I loved them so much. And um, <clears throat> it was really hard. Like we didn't know how to get out of it. We had a, you know. Some senior players come in as well. You know, Brownie brought in a few more senior players that, you know, some would say were past their time, some would say that they weren't. And they were really good leaders. Like Aiden Gray was, you know, instrumental in trying to show us how to lead. Tim Gladby was like that, Slade Griffin. But we just still, you know, couldn't kick it on. I, 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 
yeah, to this day, still struggle with it a bit, I think. And um, I was just so young and I just, you know, didn't know how to how to cope with it um, at that time. But I sort of just coped with it off field. We're still going out and partying, still going out after a big loss. I remember we got in trouble after getting a decent score put on us against Sharks at home. It was one of our... One of those big games that we had at home, I think Sunday are and they flogged us. It was a sixty odd game, wasn't it? I think so. And yep. a few of us still went out after the game, but we just thought there was nothing. We didn't think there was nothing wrong. We thought we were just going out with friends and probably more just the look of us enjoying ourselves off the field while we got pumped on the field and so just stuff like that. We just didn't know how to handle and probably show that you know um, we were all very young. Uh, I remember the average age of our team at some periods was like a 23 or 24. We had Jack Cogger and Brock Lamb starting for us at Haas and yeah. I think they were only 20 years old. So, um, yeah, we are struggling player-wise. Mm-hmm. Players didn't probably want to come to Newcastle as well. And, um, but, yeah, it was definitely, you know, some pretty tough years. What about you? Um, what about you as um, captain, mate? You were appointed captain, I think, yeah. uh probably early in 2017 from memory and, and you were, I think, only 20 at the time. Um, yeah. And, and that was a big load to carry, wasn't it? Oh, uh, at the time I thought, you know, because I was an, I, I'm a pretty, pretty natural leader. I like to think I can speak up when I need to, lead with actions and at that time I thought, you know, to myself, I was like, yeah, I can bloody do this. This is a team that I've wanted to lead since I was young and want to be a part of, but Looking back, and after, especially after being here, looking back, man, was I wrong? I just, you know, didn't know enough. I wasn't experienced enough. You know, all I knew was just to play hard, play hard, and um, you know, those were the thoughts of being a, a leader. But there's just plenty more to it. There was, you know, learn, learning what to say and how to inspire your players, how to lead. And, um, yeah, I, I, I took took a, a fair load, and I didn't know how to handle it. You know, I was doing things that a leader shouldn't do off field as well. So yeah, it was a pretty pretty <clears throat> it was an interesting time. I thought I could do it. Looking back I definitely didn't do it to the best um as any other leader should have done it. So And the con- lessons were learned and, and yeah. I'm better for it now as well. Mate, the other thing that you had troubling you at the time too was the concussions. Um I think, yeah, I think yeah, you had yeah. I think you had five concussions in the space of a couple of seasons. And um, yeah, you were you were basically stood down um, at the back end of of that year, two thousand seventeen. I think um, you missed the. You were going to probably be picked. Well, you were going to be picked for Samoa for the World Cup. You missed yeah. that, and yeah, you missed right. you missed um, part of the the preseason. Um, and yeah. there were there were doubts made about your future. You didn't know what was going on. You were probably a little bit of a guinea pig at the, at times for the yeah for the um, you know the specialists. You know, looking yeah, into concussion, the concussion because vocals. yeah, there yeah. wasn't a lot. You know, wasn't a lot, or hadn't been a lot happened in that regard at the time. So, and I know I've spoken to you about it then, but you, you did it really tough with that as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, bloody earth. I mean, I, I hated it. It was anytime anyone bringing up, like people still bring it up to this day. Like, oh, I have the head gone and all this kind of stuff. But that time, I, I hated it and it, it, uh, it lowered my confidence a fair bit. Like, I just didn't know if I could still do it or. Um, they wanted a, a clearance from the specialist before I could re-sign my contract in 28 or 2018, 2019 and, and so on. So it was, yeah, it was tough. And uh, I wasn't sure, I was like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my head? Why can't I do it? I'm still young at the time. And 
Um, I haven't seen the specialists in Melbourne yet that have given me the all clear until, um, yeah, the end of that World Cup. So, um, you know, my career was probably going to be over. I didn't know how to handle it. I had nothing I had nothing set for if it was going to be over, what was I going to do? So, yeah, it was tough, man. Like, uh, um, like I, uh, I, I didn't know how, I don't know how I got through. I really don't. Was, I think just being so young maybe helped, but. Or I remember um, you telling me yeah. that your your um your baby daughter, your first daughter, was was born around that time, and and I remember you telling me that she sort of, um, you know, I guess became a bit of a spotlight for you, so it took the took the edge off what it was the other sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, even then, I was only a young father as old as, and I probably said that to you, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. My, my wife would be pretty honest in telling you I probably wasn't the best in that first couple of years of being a father as well. You know, I was pretty young and footy was still everything. It wasn't it wasn't anything else. It was, just, it was just footy, 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 even, you know, before being a father at that time as well. And, um, yeah, like I, I struggled with it a bit and probably what affected me off-field as well with being a father, being a good partner and, and stuff like that. But um, Did you think yeah, about like giving it away then? Did you did you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bloody hell, I did. I, I, that wasn't when I, I lost the love for it either. That was just because I was just all over the shop. I was mentally, I didn't know where I was. I wouldn't say I was depressed. I I I, I, I wasn't any depressed. I just was just all over the shop. I was, yeah. Emotions will change every day, and um, and then luckily I got the all clear, and then um, and you signed yeah, the new the, deal. The losing. Yeah, signed a new deal, and then it was just the losing and um, everything else, and just got tough and missing out on trying to you know spend more time with the little one, and then, yeah, I just thought you know what's the point of this? You know, we're not doing too well in my career. I was touted as one of the best to come out of the region, and um, as a kid, and I thought I was going to be one of these superstars, and it just hasn't happened, hasn't kicked on. I mean, the other thing was uh, when I split with my manager at the time. And all that kind of stuff, and my brother had um, left managers too. So, and we were stuck. Well, we, we were left with this manager, me, Chanel, and Patton. This was just when I resigned in 2015, I think. You know, when um, that stuff was pretty hard to deal with as well. So, mm. but but you um, you came through it all, mate. But yeah, eventually, um, you you figured that you'd. Well, I don't know whether the Knights figured that your days here were numbered or you figured that your days here were numbered or a bit of both. But um, at the back end yeah. of 2020, um, yeah. you, you sort of got the in. I think the Knights had signed Tyson Frizzell. Uh, you yeah. were obviously playing in the back row at that time and, and they'd signed Tyson Frizzell and there maybe wasn't, you had one more year, but there, there wasn't um, any guarantees about after that. So I guess... Yeah. When St Helens came calling through Christian Wolf, you um, you must have thought long and hard and thought, okay, well, that might be the best move. Yeah, it was probably more just um, I was like I wasn't in in the best form as well. Like I can understand that, and I can understand whether they didn't want to resign me. And Tyson Prestel is a much better player than I am, and um, probably just more the feeling that I wasn't really wanted anymore at a club that I, I was pretty hurt. Like, that was a club that I loved and I put everything into it. So, But at the end of the day, they've got to do what's right for the club. So I was like, yeah, let's get out of here. Oh, I don't want to be here anymore. I'll just, I don't want to be around anyone that I know here in Newcastle. Because so it only just... 
You were bitter about attached it? Attached me to... Pardon? You were bitter about it? No, I wasn't bitter. I was just hurt. I, I understood that it's a business and understood that I, I had been... I was playing pretty poor at that time. Yeah. I wasn't the best player at that time. And understandably, I wasn't in the best form. So just more because I was just I was just jealous and hurt. Like, I love this club. And um, I was told at times I was going to be forever. And I told myself that I was going to be a one-club man. So that's probably where... I needed to hold my end of the bar, you know, being a, a, a better player as well. So, um, but, you know, it was, it was hard to get over, but I got over it and I still support them like anything today. And, um, I just wanted to get out. That was it. I was like, just get me out. I don't care if I have to go work somewhere else or go down to somewhere and work. I just don't want to be in Newcastle anymore. And um, a change of scenery was probably what helped as well. So what about the love for the game then? It, had that sort of taken that away yeah. from you as well? At yeah, the t- at yeah, the top. yeah. I, yeah, I was gone, mate. I was coming here to play two, potentially three years, and finish up, go back and play local league. And I'd already probably half teed up with my brother Pat at the time that you know I'll come back and play at Maitland with you, and you know tell the coach now to sort of get it all sorted. What job I'm going to do? Got my truck license, so I was going to be a drive the truck in the mine. So I had it all planned out. I had it all set in stone, and. Because uh, I didn't think England was going to be all that it was. I didn't think England was going to be what it was to me at the, um, at, at the moment. So it was the play to two, maybe three years go back, work in the mines, play for the pickers, and um, right off into the sunset. Mm, but it hasn't quite worked out that um, way because um, <laughs> winning winning helps, doesn't it? Winning helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in that now. So. <laughs> Um, mate, it's, it just makes a world of difference. And mate, it honestly does. It, that confidence and your team, momentum, and all this kind of stuff. But the main thing is my just my personal game. That's what it's what has changed and how to be professional and how how being a professional can help you help you on the field ten times more than just you know rolling up and going through the days and collecting your paycheck. <laughs> well, you must have um, you must have thought. That- you were a bit of a hoodoo or something because the first year you got over there in 21, you got suspended yeah. and missed out on the, the Challenge Cup final win over Castleford. <laughs> so you didn't, you yeah. could have played against your brother. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, you missed you missed that game, but you did go on to uh, play in the grand final win which over Catlins, which uh, would have made up for it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I... It was a bit disappointing to miss out on so many games and to miss out on the Challenge Cup because we had done all this media write-up and stuff for the media as well. Uh, the BBC every year, which is one of their, their bigger channels, and um, you know, doing this thing, big thing about brother versus brother, big Challenge Cup, one of the most famous trophies in England, and um, yeah, to get suspended really hurt a bit. So, uh, but it was good the boys went on to do the job and beat Castleford, and then we've gone on to the grand final at the end of the year. It's Catalans and played a yeah, pretty cracking game that was, you know, close all the way up into the 80th minute. And uh, I remember when that hood had gone, I just fell to the ground. I just thought, man, that it just made the move all, all worth it. Moving my family, because we'd struggled more. My partner struggled that year. She'd felt pregnant and there wasn't really much help around. And it was a pretty tough year as well. Um, so to win the grand final just made everything worth it. Made all the sacrifices moving over and uh, the hard times all worth it. And, because it wasn't until I got here, I was just, you know, going, going through pre-season, you know, keep ticking along and then thought, man, I need to make, make something out of this, you know, there's something going on here. And 
just made a goal to put give it all give it a crack before I go home and, and win this grand final and you know to do it in the first year I still you know sort of give it to my brother I said I, I, I've done this in the first year but I don't know what you've done for the last bloody eight, eight years in Beanie so <laughs> um, he's got and now he's gone on to move on to a, a bigger club so hopefully he's trying to you know yeah they might win it this year mate he might get one back on you this year maybe. Yeah, I know. So I got to watch what I say this year, or else they're not coming to bite me. <laughs> well, you won two in a row, mate. You beat Leeds the the uh, last season in the in the grand final as yeah. well. So, and then you've got the the Challenge Cup win over Penrith. You've got some, even though there's some um, probably dodgy memories at the Knights. Um, you've got some. Yeah. You've, you've got some uh, great mem- memories to uh, take away from from your time in England. If if this year ends up being your your final year, you're gonna have some great memories to bring yeah. home. What about a swan song season with the Knights, mate? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Mate, that'd be honestly a dream. It would. Now it would be a dream, you know, like I said before coming here. But, man, I, I could honestly, you know, it'll be, it's definitely a goal of mine. You know, I remember Anthony Tupo did something like that a couple of years ago. He come back and finished his career at Newcastle. And I remember how, him saying how special that was. And to come well, Danny, Danny Badiris did it. Uh, Clint Newton did it. Um, yeah. there's been a few that have done it um, in, yeah, right. in, the, in the past yeah that, that, it's definitely a goal of mine to go back home and finish there and, um, but like I said I think they've got more important things at the moment to do than, than the resign or an old battler like me back there <laughs> I might have to be more patient and um, you know, hopefully try and get back there soon enough anyways but yeah, look, we'll go, I'll, I'll be back home at the end of the year and hopefully the missus is uh, decided by then uh, in the next week or uh, next week or two, I think, that we're going to need a decision to see, sort of tell St. Allen's what we're doing. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see how it all goes, mate. It's definitely something in the books. You've had a couple of um, head knocks this year. You're, you're um, back playing though, aren't you? You're, you're, you're over those? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, over those. I just come back last week against uh, Halifax. We played a Challenge Cup, but um, yeah, they were pretty decent knocks. They definitely bring back some memories, that's for sure. And um, I had probably six or seven weeks off just to just to make sure, just to be just to be safe. I probably could have come back in three, but uh, but the club are here really good about all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I'm back and got a big game this week against Leeds actually, and um, we've, we've got a few injuries and suspensions and. So I'm I'm in the middle, Baz. I'm playing front row this week. You what? Yeah, mate. <laughs> oh, no. front row this week. We're, we're a bit short on numbers. So, well, good uh, on you. You started yeah. your career in first grade at fullback, and now you're into the front row. So you've you've gone the full uh, spectrum, mate. <laughs> I haven't missed out on any position, mate. I played every single one now, so <laughs> probably the only player to do that. I guess you've you've followed, uh, as you said, you you're still a Knights man. You followed the um the club and how it's been going. You would have. Known the the dramas that poor old Kalen Pong has had with what you had as well the the concussions. Yeah, yeah, I'm kicking myself actually. I we've been in touch when he was gone just before he left to Canada, and yeah, I'm kicking myself. We meant to tee up a, a FaceTime to have a chat, and you know, obviously he had some things on his mind he wanted to talk to me about, but bloody um, bloody missed it. I missed it, and I didn't get the chance to call him back. So. Yeah, I followed. Yeah, I followed a fair bit of it. And I knew everything was going through. I feel sorry for the bugger. You know, um, I knew everything was going through. He just needed to sort of. Um, I just like he just needed to string some games together where he didn't really 
he didn't have any head marks and he'd get that confidence back and you could probably see a little bit in it. And, uh, but Kalen being Kalen, he's that you know, easy laid-back bloke and um, I'm sure he'll be fine. And, uh, he got another head knock on the weekend, which is a shame, but passed his HIA, which is good. So um, I'm hearing that he might be playing fullback now or something yeah, like that. Yeah, oh, you, you're uh, on the money, mate. He's back to fullback this mate, week. So. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I don't miss anything on my team. They're, they're the team that I thought... I was, a, I was a member the first year I actually came in, Baz. I signed up to be a Red Energy member, which was the cheapest one. So <laughs> still got a package in that. So I followed oh, good on you, mate. Well. You get a, what do you get yeah, for that? A yeah. scarf and a, 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 I don't know. I, did, you... I think it came in the mail. I think It never came in the mail, though. I just got a, a badge on my phone, I think, to show for it. But oh, okay. anyhow, it's more more just the supportive side of it. <laughs> well, good on you, mate. Good on you. And look, to, to be honest, you've you've got a myriad of supporters here. Um, Knights fans loved you and as you say we might not have had much success when uh, when you came through the system in the first grade but um, mm-hmm. they love what you stood for mate and you're a local junior you'll always be a local junior and I'm sure every yeah, every yeah. every Knights fan out there would love to see you come back and, and play again for the club and put the red and blue on so his fingers yeah. crossed that it happens but in the meantime um Hopefully everything goes well for you over there in St Helens and maybe made a hat-trick of titles if you want to take another one off your brother, a hat-trick of titles um, (laughs) to come home to maybe. Yeah, yes, definitely, definitely, mate. It'll be a pretty good season this year, so we'll hopefully um, tick it off with one more and then, yeah, you never know, might be home soon. Love to to chat, mate. Fantastic And, and all the best for the rest of the season. Cheers, Baz. Enjoy, mate. Thank you very much. See you, see. See you, mate. See you, see you, mate. There he is. Sione, yeah. Look, there wouldn't be a no no one in the club would say a bad word about Sione, that's for sure. He um he put his body on the line. He, as I said, a local junior who um has had a fair bit to deal with during his career, got a lot of success early, personal success early, and and uh has had a lot to deal with and uh it's great to see him um making a success. Um, of what he's doing over there in England with St Helens. Okay, the mailbag. Um, let's go through it. Scott Holloway, just a frustrated fan. He joined the club, Scott. Uh, Rumours cap an issue. Who is responsible? $1.4 million for KP. Moved into the front line and had three concussions all from tackling. Any normal footy fan knew this was an horrendous decision. No depth in the Reggies. Going like stiff, like stiffs. Uh, my man Sasagi getting a look in soon. Well, there's a whole heap of stuff there, Scott. <laughs> um, I agree with you about the frustration. Um, certainly agree with you. Um, well, KP's back to fullback this week. Um, so, see how that goes. Um, Simi Sasagi, yeah, well, he's um, he's a talent. I'd like to see him get a look in at some point as well, to be honest. So, uh Let's hope that he does. Daz Mackay, other night still trying to sign Scott Sorensen for next year from the Panthers. Um, Daz, they're trying to re-sign Tyson Frizzell at the moment and they're talking, there's talk of them being in salary cap trouble. Um, there's not many spots left, so I'm not sure where that Scott Sorensen stuff is at the moment, whether it's still a possibility or whether uh, that ship has sailed. So I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, but given the... Um, Given the fact that they're they're um, in a bit of a battle to to re-sign Frizz, then I would presume that maybe Scott Sorensen isn't on the horizon. But I could be wrong. 
Uh, this from Mark. Barry, Newcastle need to play like Newcastle. When are they? <laughs> uh, look, they probably haven't played. If you're talking about Newcastle as in the era of Paul Harrigan and Andrew Johns, that era, how they played back then, well, they haven't played like that for a long while, I can tell you, Mark, unfortunately. And I'm not sure when, when that time's going to come at the moment. Uh, just a bit of consistency from the team would be nice. Uh, Burnsy. <clears throat> which former player in their prime do you think could immensely fix this side's fortunes? Oh, well, that's pretty obvious that, you know, we'd probably say Andrew Johns, Denny Badiris maybe, all, although I think maybe Paul Harrigan and, and Tony Butterfield from a leadership point of view would be fantastic as well um, if you're talking about former players. Pity we, not, we can't uh, bring them back. Uh, Eddie the Cat. How are the Knights possibly under under salary cap pressure? Apparently needing to move Frizzell and Best on. Or how do all the other teams manage to have talented backup options, yet the Knights are stuck with players that would be lucky to make the top 17 in another team's Reggies? Um, Eddie's not too happy with the way things are going, by the sound of things there, Simon. Um... Yeah, look, I, I I don't know what the situation with the salary cap. I, I find it hard to believe that they're under under too much salary cap pressure. They haven't got this year uh, as far as their top thirty goes. So, um, and the talk of them moving their good players on. Well, I had had my say about that in the column on the weekend. I just can't believe that they would be even thinking about uh, selling Bradman Best or uh, Daniel Safiti, which is the talk at the moment. So, anyway, um, we. We'll wait and see. Pete Denning, if the Ponga, Gamble, Hastings and Crossland combo fire on the weekend, do you think Miller could come back at 14 if if he plays well in cup? Maybe play that Watson-type role. Could be dangerous if he comes on when the opposition is tied. Well, he's actually um, been named in the number 14 this week for the Manly game, so he might get that opportunity um, to, to play that role. We'll have to wait and see. But he certainly needs... Uh, to him lift his form, he was um, he was pretty ordinary against Cronulla, which is why the decision's been made by Adam O'Brien, the coach, to uh, put Carlin Ponga back to fullback and bring Gamble in at 5'8", who has done so well with Hastings uh, earlier in the season. So I think from a team perspective, the coach has got the positional stuff right this week. Um, but in saying that... Um, Lockie Miller was one of the well, he was the Knights' best player in the first three or four games. So, if you can get back to that uh, form, then he might come back in at some point. Uh, the Axe surely after the Sharks game, the need for a specialist hooker has been made clear. Crossland has done an admirable job, but the club needs to be looking for a hooker now. Yeah, oh well, yeah, I agree with you, Axe, and I think they are. I think the last position on the uh, in the top thirty. They are looking to sign a hooker, and not just for this season, but for next season as well. But who that hooker is, where he's going to come from, and whether he's going to be good enough is the question. Uh, I don't know who it is. We'll have to wait and see if they what they come up with. Uh, Graham Andrews, I doubt if there is anyone who watches more NRL than the two State of Origin coaches. Uh, lots of that is live. Yeah, Graham's obviously talking about the... The fact that uh, Dane Gagai and, and um, to a lesser degree, Caelan Ponga were left out of the uh, origin side. Yeah, well, I'm sure they do watch a lot of footy, Graham. 
Um, but anyone who's seen Dane Gagai play this year would have to agree that he's, apart from last week, uh, which is purely the game I believe that's cost him his origin spot, um, his form has been terrific. So um, anyway, um, wait and see. Uh, good for the Knights, I guess, that um, Ponga and, and Gagai aren't <coughs> picked. Um, ben Payne, hey Baz, no doubt the salary cap is a work in progress. From the outside looking in, do you think we have got ours right? Regardless of, uh, regardless, I think we have built. Oh, sorry, we have been dealt a dud hand from the injury gods. That hasn't helped. Well, that certainly hasn't helped Ben. I mean, um, right through Adam O'Brien's tenure here, the injuries have been uh, been a drama. They haven't been so much of a drama this year. Um, as far as the salary cap goes, well. I can't believe that they're in all sorts of salary cap um, drama or they have salary cap problems, particularly when we know that they offered Dom Young over 500000 to stay beyond the end of this season before he decided to go to the Roosters. So uh, for a club that's in salary cap trouble to be offering a winger over 500000 seems a bit strange. But we'll wait and see. Justin Milligan, it looks great on paper for Newcastle. If Ponga goes back to fullback, I feel sorry for Miller, but having Gamble at six is better for the team, in my opinion. I'm not saying KP can't play six. I just think Gamble and Hastings have clicked well so far. Yep, a lot of people agree with you, Justin, including myself, um, particularly with Miller's recent form. Um, if he had have stayed in, re- remained in the sort of form that he was in at the start of the year, then uh, maybe uh, Ponga would still be at six, but... Um, I think after last weekend, the coach probably had to act. Uh, the Buckster. Does dropping Miller and putting KP back to fullback look like a short-term play until Miller cleans up his game in reserve grade or has Adam O'Brien decided that KP at 5'8 experiment is over? No, I don't, think, I don't think he's decided that at all. I think it's all on the fact that um, Lockie Miller has struggled the last few games and was pretty poor last weekend. And because of that reason, from the team's point of view, he's putting Ponga back to six, uh, back to fullback and brought Gamble in at six. Whether that stays that way will probably depend on how the team plays. If the team plays well, then then Lockie Miller will struggle to get his, get his spot back. I think that's pretty fair to say. But there's always injuries. There's always all sorts of things can happen. So um, wait and see on that. Uh, Aaron Gator. Hey, Baz, is Bailey Hodson a chance of getting a run in first grade? He looks the goods to me. So if they were going to stick with Ponger 5-8 experiment, wouldn't he be the perfect swap for Miller? Or is it about getting Gamble more game time? Uh, look, um, I, I think the, um, the the situation is that the coach believes, as most people believe, or a lot of people believe, that um, when everyone's playing at their peak, then... Um, Gamble's done enough or did enough alongside Hastings early in the season when Ponga wasn't there um, to believe that that's the best team that he can put on on the field with Ponga at fullback and Gamble at 5'8". So whether Bailey Hodgson, who won't be here next year, gets an opportunity at some stage, I think injuries will determine that rather than anything else. Um, Bare legs, why do they keep doing this to us? That's it. That's the question. <laughs> uh, very good, Bellix. Yes, I, I know what you mean. Uh, Josh Watson, how close are we to wrapping up Frizzell's deal? Uh, 
Buying a house in Newcastle doesn't always mean he is staying. Been fooled once by clamour exit. Yeah, look, um, Tyson Frizzell has bought a house and his wife have bought a house in Newcastle uh, recently in the last few weeks. I think the negotiations will continue. I'll be surprised if Tyson Frizzell leaves. And as far as David Clemmer is concerned, um, Josh, you might have been fooled by his exit, but I don't think um, anyone you know within the organisation were fooled by his exit because the Knights were keen to um, offload Clemmer. If you know, let's let's be honest. They didn't want to stand in his way. They weren't going to offer him another deal. And he was on a lot of money f- for this season. So they could see the the benefits in offloading him if they could. Now, um, Clem's got his house here. And, and by the way, he's playing great at the Tigers. So good luck to him. Um, and he'll be back probably to live in the house once his um, career's over. So it's got nothing to do with Frizzell. I think, um, I think they've, they've, got to sign, they've got to re-sign Frizzell. I really do think that. And I think they will. Um, Mr. Armageddon, if they let our only origin player go, they should be sacked themselves. Yeah, well, that's, that's probably a fair statement. That's a fair statement. Anyway, that's it, the mailbox this week. And that's it for Two Is News, the podcast. Great to catch up, as I said, with um, Sione Mataria. Um, hopefully, a win for the Knights on Sunday against Manly. Um, and, but even if they get beat, we'll still be back next week with another edition of the podcast so we'll catch up then bye for now